Chapter twenty one, part two of a serious call to a devout and holy life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jenny Bradshaw. A serious call to a devout and holy life by William Law. Chapter twenty one of the necessity and benefit of intercession considered as an exercise of universal love how all orders of men are to pray and intercede with god for one another how naturally such intercession amends and reforms the hearts of those that use it lastly if all people when they feel the first approaches of resentment envy or contempt towards others or if in all little disagreements and misunderstandings whatever they should instead of indulging their minds with little low reflections have recourse at such times to a more particular and extraordinary intercession with god for such persons as had raised their envy resentment or discontent this would be a certain way to prevent the growth of all uncharitable tempers if you were also to form your prayer or intercession at that time to the greatest degree of contrariety to that temper which you were then in it would be an excellent means of raising your heart to the greatest state of perfection as for instance when at any time you find in your heart motions of envy towards any person whether on account of his riches power reputation learning or advancement if you should immediately betake yourself at that time to your prayers and pray to god to bless and prosper him in that very thing which raised your envy if you should express and repeat your petitions in the strongest terms beseeching god to grant him all the happiness from the enjoyment of it that can be possibly received you would soon find it to be the best antidote in the world to expel the venom of that poisonous passion this would be such a triumph over yourself would so humble and reduce your heart into obedience and order that the devil would even be afraid of tempting you again in the same manner when he saw the temptation turned into so great a means of amending and reforming the state of your heart again if in any little difference or misunderstandings that you happen to have at any time with a relation a neighbour or any one else you should then pray for them in a more extraordinary manner than you ever did before beseeching god to give them every grace and blessing and happiness you can think of you would have taken the speediest method that can be of reconciling all differences and clearing up all misunderstandings you would then think nothing too great to be forgiven stay for no condescensions need no mediation of a third person but be glad to testify your love and good will to him who had so high a place in your secret prayers this would be the mighty power of such christian devotion it would remove all peevish passions soften your heart into the most tender condescensions and be the best arbitrator of all differences that happened betwixt you and any of your acquaintance the greatest resentments amongst friends and neighbours most often arise from poor punctilios and little mistakes in conduct a certain sign that their friendship is merely human not founded upon religious considerations or supported by such a course of mutual prayer for one another as the first christians used for such devotion must necessarily either destroy such tempers or be itself destroyed by them you cannot possibly have any ill temper or show any unkind behaviour to a man for whose welfare you are so much concerned as to be his advocate with god in private hence we may also learn the odious nature and exceeding guilt of all spite hatred contempt and angry passions 
they are not to be considered as defects in good nature and sweetness of temper not as failings in civility of manners or good breeding but as such base tempers as are entirely inconsistent with the charity of intercession you think it a small matter to be peevish or ill-natured to such or such a man but you should consider whether it be a small matter to do that which you could not do if you had but so much charity as to be able to recommend him to god in your prayers you think it a small matter to ridicule one man and despise another but you should consider whether it be a small matter to want that charity toward these people which christians are not allowed to want toward their most inveterate enemies for be but as charitable to these men do but bless and pray for them as you are obliged to bless and pray for your enemies and then you will find that you have charity enough to make it impossible for you to treat them with any degree of scorn or contempt for you cannot possibly despise and ridicule that man whom your private prayers recommend to the love and favour of god when you despise and ridicule a man it is with no other end but to make him ridiculous and contemptible in the eyes of other men and in order to prevent their esteem of him how therefore can it be possible for you sincerely to beseech god to bless that man with the honour of his love and favour whom you desire men to treat as worthy of their contempt could you out of love to a neighbour desire your prince to honour him with every mark of his esteem and favour and yet at the same time expose him to the scorn and derision of your own servants yet this is as possible as to expose that man to the scorn and contempt of your fellow-creatures whom you recommend to the favour of god in your secret prayers for these considerations we may plainly discover the reasonableness and justice of this doctrine of the gospel whosoever shall say to his brother raka shall be in danger of the council but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell-fire matthew chapter five verse twenty two we are not i suppose to believe that every hasty word or unreasonable expression that slips from us by chance or surprise and is contrary to our intention and tempers is the great sin here signified but he that says raka or thou fool must chiefly mean him that allows himself in deliberate designed acts of scorn and contempt towards his brother and in that temper speak to him and of him in reproachful language now since it appears that these tempers are at the bottom the most rank uncharitableness since no one can be guilty of them but because he has not charity enough to pray to god for his brother it cannot be thought hard or rigorous justice that such tempers should endanger the salvation of christians for who would think it hard that a christian cannot obtain the favour of god for himself unless he reverence and esteem his brother christian as one that bears the image of god as one for whom christ died as a member of christ's body as a member of that holy society on earth which is in union with that triumphant church in heaven yet all these considerations must be forgot all these glorious privileges disregarded before a man can treat him that has them as an object of scorn and contempt so that to scorn or despise a brother or as our blessed lord says to call him raka or fool must be looked upon as amongst the most odious unjust and guilty tempers that can be supported in the heart of a christian and justly excluding him from all his hopes in the salvation of jesus christ for to despise one for whom christ died is to be as contrary to christ as he that despises anything that christ has said or done if a christian that had lived with the holy virgin mary should after the death of our lord have taken any occasion to treat her with contempt 
you would certainly say that he had lost his piety towards our blessed lord for a true reverence for christ must have forced him to treat her with respect who was so nearly related to him i dare appeal to any man's mind whether it does not tell him that this relation of the virgin mary to our blessed lord must have obliged all those that lived and conversed with her to treat her with great respect and esteem might not a man have justly dreaded the vengeance of god upon him for any scorn or contempt that he had shown to her now if this be plain and obvious reasoning if a contempt offered to the virgin mary must have been interpreted a contempt of christ because of her near relation to him then let the same reasoning show you the great impiety of despising any brother you cannot despise a brother without despising him that stands in a high relation to god to his son jesus christ and to the holy trinity you would certainly think it a mighty impiety to treat a writing with great contempt that had been written by the finger of god and can you think it a less impiety to contemn and vilify a brother who is not only the workmanship but the image of god you would justly think it great profaneness to contemn and trample upon an altar because it was appropriated to holy uses and had had the body of christ so often placed upon it and can you suppose it to be less profaneness to scorn and trample upon a brother who so belongs to god that his very body is to be considered as the temple of the holy ghost one corinthians chapter six verse nineteen had you despised and ill-treated the virgin mary you had been chargeable with the impiety of despising her of whom christ was born and if you scorn and despise a brother you are chargeable with the impiety of despising him for whom christ laid down his life and now if this scornful temper is founded upon a disregard of all these relations which every christian bears to god and christ and the holy trinity can you wonder or think it hard that a christian who thus allows himself to despise a brother should be in danger of hell-fire secondly it must here be observed that though in these words whosoever shall say thou fool etc the great sin here condemned is an allowed temper of despising a brother yet we are also to believe that all hasty expressions and words of contempt though spoken by surprise or accident are by this text condemned as great sins and notorious breaches of christian charity they proceed from great want of christian love and meekness and call for great repentance they are only little sins when compared with habits and settled tempers of treating a brother despitefully and fall as directly under the condemnation of this text as the grossest habits of uncharitableness and the reason why we are always to apprehend great guilt and call ourselves to a strict repentance for these hasty expressions of anger and contempt is this because they seldom are what they seem to be that is mere starts of temper that were occasioned purely by surprise or accident but are much more our own proper acts than we generally imagine a man says a great many bitter things he presently forgives himself because he supposes it was only the suddenness of the occasion or something accidental that carried him so far beyond himself but he should consider that perhaps the accident or surprise was not the occasion of his angry expressions but might only be the occasion of his angry temper showing itself now as this is generally speaking the case as all haughty angry language generally proceeds from some secret habits of pride in the heart so people that are subject to it though only now and then as accidents happen have great reason to repent of more than their present behaviour to charge themselves with greater guilt than accidental passion 
and to bring themselves to such penance and mortification as is proper to destroy habits of a haughty spirit and this may be the reason why the text looks no farther than the outward language why it only says whosoever shall say thou fool because few can proceed so far as to the accidental use of haughty disdainful language but they whose hearts are more or less possessed with habits and settled tempers of pride and haughtiness but to return intercession is not only the best arbitrator of all differences the best prompter of true friendship the best cure and preservative against all unkind tempers all angry and haughty passions but is also of great use to discover to us the true state of our own hearts there are many tempers which we think lawful and innocent which we never suspect of any harm which if they were to be tried by this devotion would soon show us how we have deceived ourselves Suserus is a pious temperate good man remarkable for abundance of excellent qualities no one more constant at the service of the church or whose heart is more affected with it his charity is so great that he almost starves himself to be able to give greater alms to the poor yet Suserus had a prodigious failing along with these great virtues he had a mighty inclination to hear and discover all the defects and infirmities of all about him you were welcome to tell him anything of anybody provided that you did not do it in the style of an enemy he never disliked an evil speaker but when his language was rough and passionate if you would but whisper anything gently though it were ever so bad in itself Suserus was ready to receive it when he visits you generally hear him relating how sorry he is for the defects and failings of such a neighbour he is always letting you know how tender he is of the reputation of his neighbour how loth to say that which he is forced to say and how gladly he would conceal it if it could be concealed Suserus had such a tender compassionate manner of relating things the most prejudicial to his neighbour that he even seemed both to himself and others to be exercising a christian charity at the same time that he was indulging a whispering evil-speaking temper Suserus once whispered to a particular friend in great secrecy something too bad to be spoken of publicly he ended with saying how glad he was that it had not yet taken wind and that he had some hopes it might not be true though the suspicions were very strong his friend made him this reply you say Suserus, that you are glad it has not yet taken wind and that you may have some hopes it may not prove true go home therefore to your closet and pray to god for this man in such a manner and with such earnestness as you would pray for yourself on the like occasion beseech god to interpose in his favour to save him from false accusers and bring all those to shame who by uncharitable whispers and secret stories wound him like those that stab in the dark and when you have made this prayer then you may if you please go tell the same secret to some other friend that you have told to me Suserus was exceedingly affected with this rebuke and felt the force of it upon his conscience in as lively a manner as if he had seen the books opened at the day of judgment all other arguments might have been resisted but it was impossible for Suserus either to reject or to follow this advice without being equally self-condemned in the highest degree from that time to this he has constantly used himself to this method of intercession and his heart is so entirely changed by it that he can now no more privately whisper anything to the prejudice of another than he can openly pray to god to do people hurt whisperings and evil speakings now hurt his ears like oaths and curses 
and he has appointed one day in the week to be a day of penance as long as he lives to humble himself before god in the sorrowful confession of his former guilt it may well be wondered how a man of so much piety as Suserus could be so long deceived in himself as to live in such a state of scandal and evil speaking without suspecting himself to be guilty of it but it was the tenderness and seeming compassion with which he heard and related everything that deceived both himself and others this was a falseness of heart which was only to be fully discovered by the true charity of intercession and if people of virtue who think as little harm of themselves as Suserus did were often to try their spirit by such an intercession they would often find themselves to be such as they least of all suspected i have laid before you the many and great advantages of intercession you have seen what a divine friendship it must needs beget amongst christians how dear it would render all relations and neighbours to one another how it tends to make clergymen masters and parents exemplary and perfect in all the duties of their station how certainly it destroys all envy spite and ill-natured passions how speedily it reconciles all differences and with what a piercing light it discovers to a man the true state of his heart these considerations will i hope persuade you to make such intercession as is proper for your state the constant chief matter of your devotion at this hour of prayer End of chapter twenty one part two recording by jenny bradshaw